0: Kia ora and welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. My name is Amy, I am currently social distancing and working from home three out of five days a week. I am also a part-time student who was studying in university, going to lectures and the likes, and now everything is online, so I guess I'm studying at night time. Kia ora, welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Indira Stewart. Remember to send in your own greeting for the show through RNZ's Voxpop app. We haven't had many come through recently, which means you've got an even better chance than usual of hearing your own voice on this show. Later in this episode, we're going to hear an interview with Dr Aisha Viral, who authored a review of the government's contact tracing system for COVID-19. But first, let's get to the headlines. We now have a date for the end of the Level 4 lockdown.
1: New Zealand will move out of Alert Level 4 lockdown at 11.59pm on Monday, April 27, one week from today. We will then hold at Alert Level 3 for two weeks before reviewing how we are tracking again and making further decisions at Cabinet on the 11th of May.
0: And even after we go to level three, we need to remember we're not going back to life as normal. We will still be under heavy restrictions, particularly when it comes to social interaction.
1: And for good reason. If we want to make sure that we are a health success story and ensure our economy can start to operate again without the virus taking off, we need to get this next phase right. The worst thing we can do for our country is to yo-yo between levels with all of the uncertainty that this will bring. Jacinda Ardern also reiterated
0: the seven principles governing the rules of Level 3.
1: 1. Stay home. If you are not at work, school, exercising or getting essentials, then you must be at home, the same as Alert Level 4. 2. Work and learn from home if you can. We still want the vast majority of people working from home and children and young people learning from home. At-risk students and staff should also stay at home and they will be supported to do so. Early learning centres and schools will physically be open for up to Year 10 families that need them. Three, make your business COVID-19 safe. COVID-19 has spread in workplaces, so the quid pro quo of being able to open is doing it in a way that doesn't spread the virus. Important industries like construction, manufacturing, forestry will be open, as will retail, as long as it is contactless. Four, stay regional. You can exercise at parks or beaches within your region, but the closer to home, the better. Activities must be safe. Keep two metres away from anyone not in your bubble and make minimal trips. Five, keep your bubble as small as possible. If you need to, at level three, you can expand your bubble a small amount to bring in close family, isolated people or caregivers. Six, wash your hands often with soap, then dry them, cough and sneeze into your elbow. And seven, and this is a really important one, if you're sick, stay at home, get advice from the GP or Healthline about getting a test and quickly. I cannot emphasise this enough. All of our success in contact tracing and isolation relies on knowing as soon as we can when you are unwell. There is no stigma to COVID-19. We will only be successful if everyone is willing to play their part in finding it wherever it is.
0: We also got a bit of extra clarification around the nuances of Level 3, particularly on expanding your bubble. As the Finance Minister Grant Robertson explained, moving to Level 3 doesn't mean you can reunite with friends and family.
2: We only really want people to
3: extend the bubble a little. It's basically focused around perhaps somebody who has been on their own, who might bring someone else, or they might join with somebody else in in an exclusive bubble, or where there's a caregiver involved who needs to come in and support, or perhaps a de facto partner or someone who helps with with childcare and so on. So no, it's not an invitation just to extend your bubble out to to two or three people who you're missing at the moment. We're all missing people at the moment. We want this to be a limited extension to just support people to be able to continue to be able to have some social contact, to have the support that they need in their households.
0: The big change under Level 3 is that more businesses will be open for contactless delivery. And to allow them to prepare for that reopening, business owners are being permitted to go into their workplaces this week.
1: Businesses will be allowed to get ready to open such as employers re-entering premises to receive stock if necessary but we ask that in doing so they stick to social distancing and their bubbles. This is not an early move out of alerts, it is merely a matter of preparation. Same principle applies for preparing schools and the education system. Schools and early learning centres can be accessed this week for cleaning, maintenance and any other preparations. The current plan is for schools to be able to reopen for a teacher-only day on 28 April as part of their preparation. And we expect those who need to attend to be able to from 29 April. I do want to caution, it may take a bit longer for some schools and early learning centres to be ready. That move
0: to reopen schools has raised some concern among educators. 35,000 people have signed a petition urging the government to keep schools and ECEs closed, but the director general of health Ashley Bloomfield says reopening is the right call.
2: This is one of the settings we looked very carefully at the international evidence and the experience both in New Zealand and overseas with COVID-19 over the last few months shows that it does not uh, that COVID-19 doesn't infect or affect children and teens in the same way as it does adults. So children and teens tend to have low infection rates, and they don't become as unwell if they do get infected, and they don't tend to pass the virus on to adults. So there are two key public health principles here. One is first minimizing the risk uh, that someone gets infected in the in the first place, in alert level three. Hence the maintaining the the social di- the physical distancing and the strict measures in, in a whole range of settings. And secondly, of course, limiting the number of people or possible contacts that people have if they do get infected to make it easier to, to prevent any further spread. So again, we had a look at alert level three approach in the ECE or school-based environment, and it's, um, our, the advice and the approach is expressly designed to limit the potential contacts that children and staff members, and therefore families might have uh, to someone who may be infected, so we're very confident that it's it's possible in this in alert level three to open up eCE and primary schools, especially with that, uh, primary and middle schools, especially with that notice so they can prepare ahead.
1: Keeping in mind, of course, our 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 underlying principle at Alert Level 3 is still that people work from home if they can and learn from home if they can. We want as many children and as many adults, if they're able to be, still at home. Um, this is in those scenarios where that's not possible. So we are not expecting large numbers to be in attendance.
0: Under Level 4 lockdown, it's been relatively easy to make sure people aren't breaking the rules. Under Level 3, the picture is going to get a little bit murkier. We're going to have a lot more people moving around and there will be extra temptation to bend or break the rules.
1: Level 3 does come with uh, higher trust and high expectations of New Zealanders not, um, not to lose that trust. We will still have police, of course, acting as enforcers. It will be very obvious if we have congregation and rec- recreational areas. Um, it will be very obvious if we have movement that really outstrips what we would expect um, for the kind of commerce we'll be engaging in. So people will still be asked questions when they're moving around. We will still have the police undertaking that job. But there is more trust at Alert Level 3.
0: We also need to remember we are not at the end of the road yet. After we move down to level two or even level one, that won't be the end either. Even if we get the number of new
1: cases of COVID-19 down to zero, That still won't be the end. When you hear hear the word elimination, you think gone forever. And I don't want New Zealanders to think that when they see a case, that means we've failed. It doesn't. Um, It means zero tolerance. So every time we see a case, we basically pounce on it. We do everything we can then to shut it down and to eliminate it when it arises. And we will have to keep doing that on an ongoing basis. And yes, until a vaccine arises. The shift to
0: Level 3 has been generally welcomed by businesses, but some feel it doesn't go far enough. On RNZ's Checkpoint programme, Lisa Owen asked the Chief Executive of Retail New Zealand, Greg Harford, for his reaction.
3: Certainly, I think good news coming out of the health data. Uh, not so good news uh, for business that uh, will be continue to be locked down for another week and online trading uh, won't be allowed then. Um, and then, of course, moving into uh, post-Monday the 27th, um, there'll be uh, online trading permitted, but that will only cover a fraction of the business that retailers would normally um, be doing during that period. Do you know, and, sorry um, to
4: interrupt, Greg, but do you know how many of your membership are... are you know, match fit to go completely online, contactless retail.
3: Yeah, the, the majority are, so about 75% of our members have got some sort of e-commerce platform available to them, but there's still a quarter of businesses out there um, that, that don't, and they're the ones who are going to struggle uh, the most with um, the the world from uh, Monday the 27th, and I guess a, lo- a lot of those businesses will be cafes and uh, takeaway bars, things like that, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to have uh, a digital presence, uh, but there's a number of more traditional retailers who, uh, perhaps over the next week, will need to be thinking about whether they set up an online store.
4: Well, given that uh, Level 3 is definitely for another two weeks and it is a week away, that's three weeks, and then the decision will be reconsidered again, do you think that it will push some retailers, um, well, to the wire here?
3: There are definitely some retail businesses that won't be surviving the COVID-19 crisis. Retail has been pretty fragile for a long time and um, this will be... Uh, you know very much doom and gloom for some um it will be, and those that do come out of it will uh, you know not not be in as good a financial position as when they went into it
4: i 'm just wondering, do you actually agree with this decision that there should be no face to face retail at level three
3: well, I think you know, we've seen over the last um, month or so um, really good processes being rolled out in the grocery sector and in pharmacies that allow customers and employees to stay safe and keep stores open. Um, we think that actually it would be best uh, at level three for shops to be able to open as long as they can do that safely. Uh, it certainly won't be appropriate in every case, um, but we do think that it's reasonable um, for safe shopping to be allowed if that's, if that's um, doable.
4: And what kind of shops do you reckon that would be possible?
3: Um, if you think about garden centres, for example, which typically have very large outdoor sites, uh, car yards again, outdoor sites, um, big footprint stores, um, hardware shops, home shops, um, there, there's a range of um, businesses that can manage the flow of customers in and out of stores reasonably well um, they can manage social distancing within those stores uh, and effectively are no different really to the footprint that you might see in a supermarket. So. It's hard to understand why um, those businesses are prevented from opening if it's safe to do so.
0: Yesterday we also saw the results of an audit of the government's tracing system by infectious disease physician Dr Aisha Varel. Dr Viral says the system needed to be able to handle a 1,000 cases a day. That would mean tracing between 5,000 and 40,000 contacts and it needed to track down 80% of those contacts within three days. Dr Ashley Bloomfield says the current tracing system can reach 5,000 contacts per day, so at the very low end of that spectrum.
2: We're going to continue to build our capacity. What we want to be able to do is to be able to scale up rapidly even more if we need to, having that uh, all on a a single electronic and linked uh, approach platform across the country will enable that to happen. It means we can link in our public health units to our nationally based people, and we can also, like Healthline does, even use people doing those calls who are actually based at home and working off an electronic platform.
0: Another key problem Dr Verrill identified was the variety of systems used to store data about COVID-19 cases. They ranged from basic Microsoft Excel spreadsheets to purpose-built clinical systems depending on the DHB. This has made it very difficult to share and collect data from across the country. Dr. Viral spoke to RNZ's Checkpoint program shortly after her audit was released. She told Lisa Owen that her main concern is the ability to rapidly scale up the tracing system if we see another outbreak of the virus.
5: COVID-19 can cause outbreaks so quickly where the case numbers uh, rise exponentially. The ability to achieve scale. Very good contact tracing occurs in public health units by the experienced professionals there, but they also um, need to be better supported by good data systems. And until we have that, we can't really have the assurance we need about the timeliness and the um, completeness of the process.
4: OK, so you're saying there needs to be the ability to trace a 1,000 cases a day within five days, is that right? They need to be traced within three
5: days. Right. So where are we at currently? I did the audit a week ago. The capacity had um, increased since the time we went into lockdown, and I'm, I'm not sure by exactly how much, And it continues to increase all the time. Uh, I don't have an um, updated um, figure on the number of uh, cases we can trace at the moment, but I think the um, scale of the government's announcement is in the right ballpark for achieving this target.
4: So at the time you did the audit, do you know on average how long it was taking them to trace people connected to a confirmed case?
5: Uh, No, and this audit was done over a day, but I guess, Lisa, the, the thing is, the trouble is I couldn't be told because that information doesn't reside in a single place in the system. We had 12 public health units. Each of them have a different uh, data or information system for managing contacts. We had a single system for cases, but each of them had a different system for contacts. And the really good system that the Ministry had just developed um, for running their national hub service, that one hadn't yet been rolled out to the public health units. So we lacked a single system to be able to pull that sort of information out of.
4: So if we don't know that then how can we say we've got a gold standard tracing system that allows us to move to level 3?
5: So at the moment the way um, people get that information is by being in regular close uh, contact between the ministry and public health units of uh, how how issues are in the public health units, whether they're, they're managing and, and whether they feel they're dealing with things in a, in a timely way and uh, that's um acceptable when we're dealing with a usual um, number of uh say tuberculosis or other communicable disease cases that we normally have but obviously it's not up for the challenge posed by a a large cluster of COVID cases or a small outbreak
4: are you comfortable with going to level three with the contact tracing system as
5: it is not as it is but these improvements i understand are being made every day the government appears to be putting a lot of resource into it and uh, I'm reassured they've accepted the recommendations in my report. So in that case, yes, I would be.
4: So they are moving towards it and having accepted your recommendations, but would be the ideal situation in your view to wait for them to implement those recommendations before we drop down a level rather than working to them while at level three?
5: Uh, so I think that depends on a lot of other factors as well, like what the surveillance is telling you. And you'll see that my report, I say, as a baseline, we have to increase three or fourfold and then also have the surge capacity to go up to a 1,000. And given that Level 3, at the time I wrote my report, it wasn't clear what Level 3 would look like. But Level 3 also has quite a few restrictions in it, and the bubble size remains quite small for many people. So I think on that basis, it does seem reasonable to uh, continue the work that they're doing. And they have worked very, very fast to stand up this national service, so uh, I find those things reassuring.
4: So the Health Minister has put out a press statement saying currently the National Close Contact Service has capacity to make 5,000 calls per day. Is that different to contact tracing 1,000 cases a day, making 5,000 yes, calls? it's different.
5: That's right, because each case has multiple contacts, so if um, at the moment, maybe our average bubble size is five people. So maybe right now, while we're at level four, um, uh, we could deal with 1,000 cases a day. But it's when we step down that we need that step-down levels and our bubble size increases to the number of contacts we all have increased. That's, that's when you need that extra capacity in your system. So I, I see this system as what assures us that we can go to these lower levels with confidence to go about our business and go back to school and so
4: on. When we have more movement, and and before the lockdown happened, for every person with COVID-19, can you say on average how many people you have to trace when there is freer movement, like at, say, Level 3 or Level 2? Yeah,
5: so that's... Um, I also don't have that data, but I think... It was very difficult. Remember, we passed through those levels very quickly on the way to level four on the way up. And one of the issues was there were all these returning, most of the cases were returning New Zealanders from overseas where COVID was more common. Many of them took domestic flights uh, um, to travel around the the country. And so that meant they had a lot of close contacts, actually. So that was very challenging. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 20 or more close contacts. And um, sometimes for an individual case, the public health unit was taking a couple of days with several nurses working on it to trace one case. So
4: as it stands, the system as it stands, 100% obviously being top-notch, how far are we away from that? What percentage are we at with with our contact tracing service?
5: Well, I mean, I think the quality is high. It's the scalability that's the issue. And I suspect we're probably... Mm, well, as of a week ago, we're probably uh, at about 30% of where we need to be. We've probably improved since I did my audit. and uh, 30% and, um, of where
4: we need to be. And that does not worry be, you to substantially? To be
5: resilient to an outbreak. To be resilient to an outbreak, yes. Yeah.
4: So you're talking about being prepared for the worst-case scenario in essence.
5: Not the worst case scenario because we probably can't contact trace, trace our way out of the situation that New York or London is in. But for an outbreak that can pop up in a week, uh, yeah, we're about 30% of the way, or we were about 30% of the way there.
0: That was Dr Aisha Viral talking to Lisa Owen on RNZ's Checkpoint programme. That's all from us this episode. We will be back with you tomorrow. Kia homaru kia kaha. Ka kite koe a popo. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me and Dera Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang, and Sonia Sly. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley, and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere, and it's free. Just go to the podcasts and series page at rnz.co.nz. And remember to send in your own greeting for the show through RNZ's Voxpot app.